0: Hello and welcome to the Voices of Rathdown podcast. This podcast has been set up to give politicians, organisations and humans in the Rathdown area a platform. This is to engage and empower people in their local community. I'm your host, Caitlin Grant, and I believe in the importance of getting involved in your area. Today, I invite you to listen to my interview with TD Neil Richmond, Fine Gael TD in the Stepside area, where we talk about the developing community, its facilities, housing, and the many ways to get more involved. So let's get right into it. So, yeah, thank you so much for being here today and uh, taking your time out of your busy, you know, busy work life to, to talk to myself for an hour here. So, yeah, I guess we could just start by if you want to introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe give a background to how you got involved in politics. That would be great.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. So I'm one of three TDs for the constituency of at Down. I was first elected to the Dáil in February 2020. Um, I live in Stepaside, born and raised in Marley Grange, went to school in Dundrum and Ballantyre, went to college in Belfield and UCD. So I lived my whole life here about a couple of years abroad and now raising my young family here. I first got into politics in college. Um, I was going into second year and joined in Freshers' Week, having the previous May voted in a general election for the first time. I voted for the Fine Gael party, no family connections, just made the choice that I wanted to vote for Fine Gael and the local candidate, Livia Mitchell from Lundrum, who's really proactive. And they got absolutely hammered in the general election. And so I spent the next five to six weeks interrailing with my friends. And I think we were on an overnight train going from somewhere in Italy to, to France. And one of my friends just said, I'm sick of this. Would you ever stop complaining and go and do something about it? So a couple of weeks later, we were back home, finished interrading. I joined uh, the Young Finnegal branch in UCD and that was 2002, so 19 years ago. And got more and more involved, was studying history, ended up doing a master's in politics, started campaigning with various people, took an internship Um, in the European Parliament. Stayed, worked there for a couple of years, came home to work for Olivia Mitchell in the Dole uh, and campaign and then in 2009 I ran for election the first time myself. I ran for the County Council and was lucky to be elected. I ran for re-election in 2014, was re-elected. Then I was elected into the Senate in 2016 and spent the last Spent so four years there more or less the last four years where i chaired the brexit committee so that was the main focus of my work and i'm the spokesman in european affairs and it's certainly been the underlying theme throughout my time in politics is that commitment to the eu and that's probably why i'm so comfortable within Gael. but that's how i've got to where i am i'm entering my second i'm well into my second date as a decade as a- an elected public representative for the area that. I was, I was born in Mount Carmel Hospital in Churchtown and I live in Stepside. I've been here my whole life and it is an absolutely massive honour to represent what is very much my home.
0: Wow, it's incredible that you've lived here your whole life and you've had such a good career in this area. Um, it's really good to see, you know, a politician who's, you know, you know it inside out, you know, when you're representing people from our area, you know exactly what they're talking about. You're not only going off your own opinion, and also your involvement in the EU just brings, you know, that additional kind of layer to, to your learning and what you're bringing, you know, as a TD right now. So that's great to hear.
1: Yeah, and it's, there's a huge overlap. Um, for a couple of years, I sat on a body called the EU's Committee of the Region. So that's where like city and county councils for across the European Union, we come together. And you see the the types of approach to local and regional government and how they apply and you learn things. So people are talking about, say, the Dublin City Bike Scheme, which has now been brought into Dun at the end through the Bleeper Scheme. People are asking about, you know, parklands. And you'd look at—I remember speaking to a colleague from the Netherlands—and all their sport happens in the in the local area in one centre. So you know the pitches are used for for soccer, for for all field sports. Then there's a, a velodrome beside it and a running track. And in some ways, we do great. But in other ways there's so many things we can pick up from the continent and from across the world and put into action here like i know like i said this is my home but I, it often gets me in trouble like i still refer to stonemason's way as the new road you know it's been the new road it was built 30 years ago but that's what we called it growing up and i still very much lament the loss of the 48a because that was the bus i always got into town and that's before i even get started on Glen album swimming pool or I still call meadowbrook d which i really shouldn't and um, it's been like that for a long time now but yeah it gives you a sense of you know remembering when the town center was being built and we used to, this can sound really pathetic but we used to go down and just watch the builders at work because it was such a vast amount of construction like i was a bit sad they were getting rid of dundrum bowl and wally rabbits where i spent all my childhood birthday parties um but to see where it comes along and it it's important to remember our local history because we're really fortunate where we live, in Dublin Rathdowne as it is now, previously Dublin South, Dublin South County, um, previously part of Dublin County Council, now part of Dunleary Rathdowne. And it's always played a very proactive part. And, you know, I'm a history graduate. I love reading about the fact that Countess Markovic lived on the Ticknock Road and what work we can do for her cottage. The fact that we have Pierce Brothers Museum in, in okay, over the line in Rathfarnham. And then you, you go into the Dublin Mountains and you can think of these really, deep you know long-standing communities quarry communities farming communities and then you come right into dundrum and you see the old tram line that became the lewis and it's great and um, and how we remember our history and you know the sense of belonging um, a lot of the schools here are, are 100 150 years old but yes i live in a house that was only built four years ago um, so it's that constant kind of changing part of the environment, and I'm delighted I convinced my wife from who is from Sandy Mount to move all the way out to Stepaside.
0: Yeah, you must have had a, had a good time convincing her because Sandy Mount is a gorgeous place as well. But uh, as you've already like highlighted, Stepaside does have its own routes and its own buses and all that. <laughs> it, it's great that like you've you've lived here for so long, and I think that um it is important to make sure you know you know the area, but it is difficult sometimes when you're when you're stuck with the same you kind of get the same perspective when you, you live somewhere for so long. So it's really good to hear that, you know, you you were able to travel, you were able to engage in different kind of committees and um other EU things, as you said, to bring back different ideas. And that's that's what it is, because you know, like Ireland like we're only as good as you know what well, the people that's inside and if we don't have you know more ideas coming in then then we're just going to stay the same aren't we
1: yeah and one, of the, one of the great things about being irish and being from ireland is we are an immigrant people we're not afraid to leave okay through our history indeed our recent history there's been occasions where people have been forced to leave and that's very sad and we're now at a stage where people are, are forced to stay away and can't travel and that will change in due course but no, I emigrated. I lived in Belgium for a couple of years. I lived in West Africa of all places. And I had that draw to not just come home, but come home to where I grew up. You know, I wanted to be able to raise my kids in the same area that I grew up with. My parents moved up to Dublin in the late 60s, early 70s, like a lot of people from our area did. You know, that's where the new builds were. They're were coming up for jobs in Dublin. And that always is part of life in any country. But in some ways, when you live abroad, lots of people, I think unfortunately, one of the things that and it's one of the things that really motivated me to get into politics is we're really great at doing down ourselves. You know, this area isn't great. Um, oh, it would only happen in Ireland. But it's only when you actually leave Ireland, you realise we're really lucky to live where we do. Um, I remember being on a, a radio panel a couple of years ago and of the six panel, five decided to declare that Ireland was a failed state. Now, i just come back from a work trip to South Sudan, which is a failed state. I just thought like, come do we have no sort of awareness of what's going on in the world? No sort of gratitude from the great privilege that we have. And that privilege also comes down to the very local, where we live in Dublin Rathdown. It is a very particularly nice area to live in. And that gives us great opportunities, but also massive responsibilities to do more for our wider community in Dublin Rathdown, for Dublin as a whole, for the country as a whole, and also globally and on a European level. And I think that's something that Irish people are very good at doing. We have a great history of doing. Um, and we're not afraid of the outside world. We're not afraid to welcome people in uh, to our community. You know, Microsoft up in Sandyford employs people um, from 72 different countries. Most of them live within, you know, within five kilometers of Microsoft. They want to be close. And that's, it's wonderful to see. Um, and whilst things do get tough and people get frustrated, people get frustrated with politics and government parties all the time, or, and the right to um, any of the institutions, it's like you're a member of a sports club, you get frustrated with the chairman of selectors or the coach from various times. But I think we do have a great community here. We do have a great country. And I have no problem putting out the positive side. That for all the, you know, people, there'll be a house burgled or there'll be a bit of graffiti, but for every one or two of those instances, there's how many hundred people over the last year have been doing meals and wheels? Have been doing community service. Have been picking up dog dirt. Have been um, scrubbing streets, and for no return, but that's just what we do. And it goes to, again the sports analogy or community analogy. How many people are prepared to, you know, wash the jerseys or volunteer on any number of committees, coach an under eight teams, do a carpool? And I think that's we don't focus on because we take it per, just we take it as normal that there's going to be tap, there's going to be water on our taps and electricity in our homes. But when you spend a bit of time living in rural Africa where, you know, electricity doesn't actually turn on every day or you have to walk a couple of kilometres to get fresh water, you have to buy it in. Um, And even in a place like Belgium, you go like, oh, it's brilliant. Actually, the post office is open here on a Saturday morning, whereas you're having to take a half morning off work in Belgium to go to the post office. But, you know, you take the rough with the smooth. And I think one thing in our community, in our area, it's no harm, perhaps, and it's a real challenge for politicians because it's a written but it's no harm to really accentuate the positives where they are. We do live in a really special part of the country and we shouldn't be afraid to say that. We should be we should have that pride of place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting you say that because you know, we have We have so much here, like, you know, Fern Hill Gardens being created and we have the new bike lanes and we're just kind of like, really, it's it's important that we take a moment to appreciate those because, as you've said, like over the years in your political career, you see so many small changes happening. Like uh, me, I'm only 21, so Dundrum's been there pretty much all my life. I don't know what life was like before Dundrum, you know, so I've definitely taken that for granted.
1: But and um have the joys of going into crazy prices on <laughs> that site. And, um, they had a freezer section and you walked into it. And as a child, wearing shorts and t-shirts one summer, I got lost in the freezer section. But I don't need to go down that anecdotal. But I, it was really interesting to hear you refer to Fern Hill. So I live right across the road from Fern Hill. And obviously in recent months with the lockdown restrictions and having a young family, I spend a lot of time in Fern Hill. And this is, this is something where... Like Fernhill has a huge history. The house was built back in the 1800s. Um, a local family lived there. It was a private dwelling. They opened it up because the gardens are fabulous and they plant life, flora and fauna from all around the world. Um, big um, Canadian sort of or American redwood trees. And it was interesting. So I was on the council in one of my first years or second years on the council where a developer bought that and they wanted to rezone it. They wanted to turn Fernhill Gardens into apartments about four or five hundred apartments now we have a rule in in the council that everything on that side of the nscary road you know that's the mountains that's the countryside because we are we go right up to rural dublin and my colleagues in your office think it's hilarious when i say like well you know the farmers in my constituency and they go oh yeah airfield And went, no no there's actually 63 active farms uh, in dublin uh, and Glen cullen and in ticknock and valley Vita and places like that but the developer The crash happened, the developer went into receiverships, and the council was able to buy Fern Hill for less than 10% of what the developer had paid. And now we're seeing, and this is, okay, lots of politicians are going to try and jump and claim this, and I'm not. I was on the council, I voted in favour, and I think it's a good idea. But we have the the great unseen, you know, civil servants, public servants, who had the foresight to invest a relatively large amount of money from a council point of view, but now they have a park for the community that's already starting to pay back. And certainly over the last two years, and look, small things are happening. You know, they've put in new pathways, they're putting in a new sports pitches, lovely oval up the back. And um, they really kind of tidied up the woodlands. There's a big slide, which obviously having a three year old is very attractive. But they haven't even started on the on the listed house or the old kind of herb garden part. I'm just thinking in, in a decade's time, you don't remember life before. Um, Dundrum Town Centre. There's going to be people, be people who don't remember that Fernhill used to be some a private house that you could never see and all of a sudden we're going to have community facilities and a cafe and everything else um, and it's, it's one part of when we're talking about the positives back in the day everyone was concerned about like, oh what's going to happen is it going to be houses are we going to be getting mad about it and oh they're spending too much money but I tell you, and now the car parks are built, there's more people coming to Fernhill from within our five kilometres than was ever imaginable. And the local businesses are getting lots of people dropping in for cups of coffee or a sandwich or whatever it is. Um, And it's just great because we love Marley Park, we love Deer Park, the Lawley Park, but I think we all appreciate that particularly now when there's limited travel areas, they get pretty busy. And the mountainside is, is brilliant, but it's not always that accessible. So to have Actual parklands, and that's why we need. There's an opportunity, and this isn't to get too political. So sorry about this, Kevin. Um, In Sandyford business district, Sandyford Industrial Estate, as I would grown up calling it, we have the reservoir, and that's being redesigned, redeveloped by Irish Water. Brilliant, but this, but they're going to have acres of parkland left over, but it's going to be locked behind a gate. So I've been working with a couple of the local councillors, Barry Saul and others, on a campaign that. There's 5,000 people living in apartments in the Sandyford Business District. We have a great park where the Nave Olaf GA Club is, but there is scope for another park. And rather than having it locked behind a fence beside a reservoir, even if we were just to get one acre of that, it's going to be landscaped. I just think for people living in apartments, particularly those with children, any time of year, to be able to get out in a safe parkland area makes such a difference. And it's one campaign that I started talking about when I was a senator working with the local councillors. I'm still hammering at it. It might take a while to get over because you know they haven't finished the work yet in the reservoir. And perhaps when they finish the work and they see the the fact that this is easy to do and it's safe, I think again, not all the people that living in, in Sandyford in the apartments, but also in Slorgan, at Lakelands. Um Sulorgan Heath, all those Sulorgan Wood, all those sort of estates are going to really benefit just to have that place, and it's on the Lewis as well, so it's really ideal position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, as we grow as a community and as we develop houses, and you know, there's a lot of construction going on, it is important to make sure that we do have, you know, these green spaces like you know the locked the locked gardens behind the the reservoir and stuff. Uh, if if it's there, why not let the community benefit from it? And for Fern Hill, that has been like a huge deal for people in my area. I'm living in near Bellarmine at the moment. And for me to get to Marley Park, you have to, you know, I can't drive at the moment because, you know, the licenses and all that are taking ages. But that's another story. For me to get to Marley Park, I have to walk for about an hour on the on the kind of narrow roads beside Lamb's Cross. So the fact that I have Fern Hill just in my back garden, it, I can go for walks, you know, social distance walks with people in my 5K, and it's just made a huge difference this lockdown.
1: So so many people are working at home at the moment or studying at home or just, you know, they're not in work and they have to stay at home. And you stay within your five kilometre now. We'll see what that changes to next week, two kilometre previously. Um, to have something on your doorstep, like where I, I live, I live in Better Mine and um, my street. It's all kind of people roughly my age there, thereabouts. But I'm the only one, because obviously, being a politician and an essential worker, I have to come into Leinster House to vote and speak and all that. I'm the only one who has to go into work. Everyone else is either working from home or unfortunately can't work from home. And lots of kids in the road. And to have Fern Hill there, just to be able to walk over. Never mind, yeah, meeting people for socially distant walks at the weekend, but even just you're stressed out, you've been on your 14th Zoom in the morning um, and you need a 10 minute, 15 minute uh, breath of fresh air. Like you literally, you wouldn't think you're in Dublin when you get right up the, you know, the back bit where the boardwalk is with the big trees, the big redwoods looking over. It's really, it's really quite important and quite special. We're facing a huge number of challenges locally, but again, they're not new challenges. So there's loads of planning permissions in at the moment, um, some of which have been realised on the Glenamook Road, on the Ballyogan Road. So we have new homes, um, Clay Farm, places like that. And then down the Goldstown Road, there's a huge amount of applications in um, for a big apartment block at the GOAT, student accommodation on Our Ladies Grove, more student accommodation at Vector Motors. The former Central Mental Hospital is going to have about 1,200 homes. Um, and those of us who've been around a little bit longer in local politics or whatever else will remember back 15 years ago, kind of maybe 15, 20 years ago, there was lots of rezoning. So Bettermine, look, I used to play pitch and put where Aikens Village and Bettermine is. The, the little stream between Aikens Village and Bettermine used to be the, 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 the gap in the hedge and hop over between the front and back nine of the pitch and put course. It was great fun when you were a kid or a teenager. Um, but they're changing, and one of the things that we have to learn is there will be an element of development. We can't stop development. We do not have enough homes. Too many people are homeless. Too many people are stuck in their early to mid-30s and just can't get on the property ladder. They don't qualify for social housing. They're looking at the affordable model, and it's not affordable. And This is a, a huge political criticism of my party and government, and we take that on the chin. It doesn't mean we're not concerned about it or we're not actively trying to change it, but. One of the lessons we have to learn is that, in Bellarmine in particular, the houses came first and that was replicated across our area. Build the houses, the duplexes, the apartments, and then eventually we got the community facilities. So we got the playgrounds, we got the Mooga, we got the shops that allow us to have a, a chemist and a doctor's surgery, a small community centre. Um, and then the second phase of which I live in, you know, then that came. But if the economic crash hadn't happened, we would have had all the houses, but we wouldn't have the two primary schools. We wouldn't have the shops. We wouldn't have the doctor's surgery. We wouldn't have the pharmacy, we wouldn't have the Mooga or the playgrounds. And there's a lot more to come of those and we wouldn't have Fernhill. Um, so now when you look in particularly that Ghost Town Road area and that Glenamook Road area, two kind of different parts of the constituency, but where there is space. And we do need to build homes, let's not deny that. But one thing that has been done very well is Cherrywood, which is kind in our constituency, kind in Dunleary is that the roads are already built. Three playgrounds are already built. Three football pitches are already built. Funding has been provided for the schools. Three primary schools have already been designated there. So they've got those in first. So if we are to see continued development, and we are going to see continued development, because we do need it. I'm not anti-development. But the other side of carc lines, and this is something when I was a councillor, I remember putting in the motion to change it, to make sure that the park... We know we all go to the park, we all know the shops that are there or are not cheaply drive in McDonald's, I'm not I'm not immune to having one on occasion either. Um, but we will now have a supermarket, we will now have a cinema, we will also have apartments, it's not just an out-of-town retail park, it's going to become more and more of a community. But we have to ensure that we have the Lewis capacity to meet it, that we have the 63 bus or whatever it is to meet it, that we have the Garda presence, we have Stepside back open, But we need to have and we have had continuing more guards and more vehicles and motorbikes for the guards, and also that we have the GP surgery, so primary care centre on Valley Over Road that they come to. So if that's to happen in Goatstown, Goatstown Road sort of. So it's Dundrum, Clansky, Goatstown. There's a lot there, but if we're going to build, maybe not all these developments because they're not all going to get through, or an element of them. Do we have the sports pitches? Do we have the community facilities? Do we have the school spaces? I and mean, we are opening new schools, but after a while, so I've been working a lot with the local schools, and there will be people who will be coming out of some of our primary and secondary schools that are new that have only ever been in temporary accommodation. So we need to speed that up, get the permanent buildings built. And that's what a lot of my work as a TD for the area consists of. Uh, it's bringing through the strands of, okay, we have a planning application approved by the councillor and board of Public or private development, whatever it is. But we also have the Department of Education coming together with, um, with the school requirements. We have the Department of Transport working with Lewis sort of Dublin Bus or the roads themselves. Do we need upgrades of our facilities, more cycle lanes, more footpaths? Um, because after a while, like you talk about where you are trying to walk to, to Marley Park, you go down Black Glen Road. And for the last, I remember long before I was an elected and I was working in Olivia Mitchell's office, we were talking about the upgrade of Black Glen Road. And the plans for that, when I was in the Senate, the plans for that expired because they had no bike lanes. Like you can't even imagine a, a road now being built without a bike lane or a footpath. So they had to get the planning. And that means we're now waiting on the funding from the council and central government. And if we are going to have more people living in Goldstown, are they going to be able to go to a gym? Meadowbrook's a little bit far away. You know, we have a football club. Are they going to be accommodated? Are we going to have a civic centre now in Dundrum? Are going to get Glen Alban back open? When is the pool going to open in Ballyogan? The fact that we can't do construction now. A lot of these projects, it's about bringing the pieces together. And certainly as a, a very backbench TV, albeit of a government party, but not a minister, a lot of the work is looking at all these sort of different things that are happening in our area, that need to happen in our area, and advocating and pushing and coming up with ideas and meeting with ministers, stakeholders, community groups and ensuring that we get the best possible area. And when we take a step back, and this is kind of go back to our first point, we take a step back, we live in a really special part of the country. We are really lucky to live there. There are people in our community that are struggling for lots of different reasons, let's not deny that. But we do live in a very, very good part of the country. And there'll always be people who have an opinion or a frustration with the Lewis being full in the morning, can't get your kids, a place in a school, um, there's dog dirt everywhere. You know, there's a, there's a development that's too big and it's coming into my backyard, and and you have to make sure that you address those issues as best possible. But I think on the round, we have to accept that we have a we have an A two and A one constituency. You know, if it was if you were classifying places to live, and not just places that you and I have grown up in, but this is where I want to raise my kids. I have no intention of moving down with my wife to Sandymount. And now that she's lived here for a couple of years, she wouldn't even think of it. She loves the area. And particularly living in Bellarmine, lots of young couples, the kids out playing on the streets, um, lovely shops and really, a couple of really good restaurants in Stepside Village now. Not to give the commercial plug, but our, our restaurants and a lot of our shops are struggling at the moment. So whatever click and collect or click and delivery or, or takeaway you can get, if you have a few, Bob, they need our support because when things get better, I still want to be able to have a local shop to go to or a local restaurant to eat in or maybe even a pub to have a pint in. So I think that all goes into the community. A lot of these businesses and organizations, so I'm very involved in sports clubs, lots of community groups. We look for them to sponsor the kids' jerseys, quiz nights, fundraisers, you know, they need us now. They need us to, you know, maybe buy a voucher or maybe order a few things on from a local retailer rather than just going for Amazon.co.uk or putting more money in steve Bezos'
0: back pocket yeah absolutely i think there is there is a need there for making awareness about you know buying local and making sure you're supporting the local businesses and i think we have seen that in the last year over social media like even sharing sharing posts of you know what's open what's not open how can we make sure we're going to you know the restaurants and the shops that need it most and I know that from working in in fresh in better Mine, um I'm not working there now but when I did work around this time last year I remember the absolute rush of starting to click and, click and collect and uh getting deliveries ready and that was that was my job then for for a few weeks just making sure all the deliveries were together to make sure that you know vulnerable people didn't have to leave their houses and uh, and so when these when these commercial places give us that service it's important that we give back to make sure that these vulnerable people are, are still being reached out to during this time
1: and i think if we remember that at the very start of the pandemic in march and april when it was different now like restrictions are tough now i'm not gonna pretend like they're not it's been a really really difficult year for so many people emotionally mental health people i've lost good friends to COVID. their their parents have passed away and that's what the heart of it. But I assure you, like the, the sheer fear people had about a year ago, just under a year ago, and you're thinking like, and yet people like yourself were having to go out and work in our supermarkets. They were still driving our buses. You had our, our wide front line um, from our doctors and nurses to our guardie to the fact that, you know, and I think this is something I, I remember speaking to a friend of mine, her son was 17 and he had a job in a supermarket stacking shells and she said I've never been so proud like just went out and did it this before we'd even had mandatory mask wearing like and people wear because we didn't know like COVID is not it's a very bad disease virus you don't want to get it but we didn't know how bad it was and we're seeing images from Italy and then Spain of ice rooms being used as mortuaries all these horrible tales of you know treatment only being given to people under 50 because was the tough decision doctors were having to make. And as bad as we have had a pandemic, as bad a pandemic we've had, you know, I don't think we ever reached that breaking point. Now a lot of people at the moment are, are, are getting close to an emotional breaking point, a financial breaking point. You know, they can't stay at home. And I I pretty really appreciate, it. you know, you're in a household when there's five of you at home and you're fighting over the Wi-Fi, you're trying to go through your education. It's very tough it's really tough but we didn't have the situation that we came really close to it i think it was in, in mid-january where our health service got overran where ambulances as we saw in northern ireland where ambulances were doing laps because they couldn't get into the hospital and um, where emergency all emergency procedures were cancelled so a lot of elective stuff had been cancelled or postponed um and we haven't you know come jail was refitted to be a mortuary um now, you know, we forget things like that. And thankfully, it was never called upon. We had emergency field hospitals in the City West. We had another one, it was an Athlone that the army put in. Um we didn't quite, you know, obviously, all the private hospitals and they're still have been brought into public use. It didn't get as bad as it could have. And economically, it, it also could have got a lot worse. So, this is when we go back to the context of the wider spectrum. Um, and our vaccine programme, and I know that we can't avoid talking about vaccine programmes for the week we're in, and rightly so, it's the biggest issue, particularly in our area with news this morning in relation to certain private hospitals, really, really unsavoury activity. But if we weren't beside the UK, if we look at the global spectrum, Ireland's in the top 10, 15 countries in the world, second doses, were certainly in the top 10, um, and it, it will get out there a lot better it's been quite clear that when the vaccines are here, our GPs have been brilliant. Even our, our local GP in Stepaside took a long time to get the vaccine because it's and there was lots of to and froing. And, but the minute she had it, the next day people were getting in, the nurses were there, particularly in that over-85 cohort, just getting jabs straight away. And that, that's peace of mind that that gives people. And that's why I still think that our vaccination program is a huge a- question that needs to be asked of the drugs companies and procurement. Um, and then the strategy in the UK have gone, it's all about one dosing. So I've, I have an auntie who lives in Wicklow who's had both her doses She's in her late 80s. I have another auntie in England who got her first job three weeks before my auntie in Wicklow. And she still hasn't got her second job. And that's sort of, is that right? Is that wrong? And it was really interesting by one of the public health experts last night saying, like, people think that they've had their first vaccine, they're, they're sorted. You know, it, it's not. It's, it's a big difference. Um, and I think, certainly, what I hope but I do think, and I'm reassured by the data, the next month, April into May, we're going to see a huge transformation. The orders are coming, quarter million a week. And sadly, we all know someone who's passed away from COVID. We all know someone's had it. Um, well, we're starting to guess, you know, 13% of the population have had a, a job at this stage. So we're starting to know more people who've had their vaccine. And not just friends who happen to be nurses or doctors or healthcare workers, but, you know, friends as parents and grandparents who are of an age or who are vulnerable. And um yeah, like it's 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 very tough then as a public representative you're dealing with all the issues, the area, all the all the ordinary stuff, like I was a TD for less than a month and all of a sudden we're in lockdown. Spent the last decade of my life trying to become td It wasn't exactly how I imagined. And then you had government negotiations at the time. So you do try and talk about the things that will still be here. Trying to get permanent accommodation quicker for a Stepside Educate Together school, finish off Blackland Road, look at the planning applications. We do need more capacity on the Lewis even though no one's taking at the moment but at the same time the vast majority of correspondence are for people in relation to the pandemic and it's something that I really found when, when you're a public rep as long as I am a lot of the, the calls and emails and letters into your office are generally kind of a lot of them are very similar, you know, someone needs help with a with a housing application form, someone needs help getting a medical card, someone needs a school place, um, someone has a query about a planning application. And, you know, so your responses are, each case is different, but, you know, and then there's national campaigns about mother and baby homes or something like that. But at the moment, when people are getting in touch, it's really considered, really deep, and... Um, representations. And it's every strain of people who are still really, really afraid of this virus. When are they getting the vaccine? What is the exact mechanics? And they might have read a headline here or a headline there or heard something from a friend's sister. And then you have people who's are just burnt out. You know, home isn't isn't, that, isn't always that happy a place for some people, particularly when it's overcrowded, tensions are high. You know, who broke that place? Ordinarily, it's it's a non-issue. But when you're in the same confines as people for twenty four hours a day trying to work, trying to live, trying to study, not seeing any friends, you've no release. Walks in Fernhill are brilliant, but they're not the same as a night out with friends or going to a match or going on a little holiday, maybe down to West Cork or wherever. Whatever people like to use or, or even simple. You're you're what stage are you in at college now?
0: I'd be in um... Uh, second year now almost going into final year next year
1: so you know you're being robbed of that experience you know when i was in second year in college i joined young and gale who doesn't mm-hmm. want that experience you know that's the height of no sorry bars. everyone
0: has to join a political group in in university that's that's the path you have to go down for sure not, not at all but
1: like you know you talk about interrating or j1s and you know getting to go to college activities, it doesn't matter if you're in college, it's the stages of life. Like I, I spoke to a prize day at one of the local schools in October and, you know, people had their, they, did their, they didn't they did get to do their Leaving search. I know that saying is terrible. Oh no, you didn't have to do your Leaving search, but it is the defining moments. Um, maybe you have your first relationship, you know, your first, your first love or, you know, you start to read a bit of literature or you start, you go to a play, you visit somewhere, You know, those moments, you can't do them on Zoom from your
0: bedroom absolutely yeah we're really like we're really missing out on you know connecting with people and I think that's that's what makes us human at the end of the day you know that's what makes us engage in the community it's it's you know going for a walk and not having to having to you know go go onto the road if if you're trying to avoid you know coughing or something like that and it's about waving at people and just saying hi like even if you don't know them and it's great to hear that there's you know so many projects kind of happening with you know in regards to community in different areas of dublin Rathdown, whether it's you know the bike lanes or the the housing being built or new playgrounds and i just wanted to ask with everything you know college on hold you know people you know mostly virtual schools for the last year is there a way that people could get involved in this kind of local community whether it be learn about what's going on, or are there any projects that people of any ages could maybe get involved or help them to engage more in, in this human way?
1: Yeah, but there's a lot. And in fairness, a lot of our local groups have managed to move online very effectively. It's not the same, it's not pretend like it's the same. Um, but so we have the big development as I mentioned. So the personal talk, we the big development in Dundrum, the former central mental hospital. There's a full online process. First phase is finished, so it's start going again. How people can feed in about what their opinion's on, what should be in the area. You have another local group called Imagine Dundrum. Uh, a lot of those people have been living here for quite some time. We're talking about, well, what do we want from Dundrum? So we're talking about the Central Mental Hospital. We have a new civic centre, community centre. has just got four million euro funding to go near the Carnegie Library. But like the Dundrum shopping centre, so not the town centre, not the glitz and the glam of... You know, whatever shop is your shop of choice, um, or Nando's or whatever. But the old shopping center, you know, what, like, there's still huge planning applications there. That nominally is meant to become a huge uh, hotel and apartments and whatever else. But how do you do that in a way that reflects this is a very long established suburban commuter town? And um, people used to get the tram from, Dundrum, the old station, into Hart Street all the, all the time, go across the aqueduct. There's ways to feed in there in Dundrum. There's a number of groups that um, are getting back open. So the Kiltyrion and Country Market is back open. So big, big, for those who are huge fans of homemade jam like me, that's a, a big move. Um, it's it's also that sort of the community call. So a lot of it has been run by our community guardee, be they in Aside or Dundrum, or the bit of the constituency that's served by Farnham Garda Station, you know, they they still are looking for people to to drive um, people to to doctor's appointments or deliver and um, make deliveries from the local chemist. As you mentioned, you are doing the work with deliveries um, for 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 the supermarkets. St Vincent Paul still have a huge long list of people who require their help. Um, Samaritans, I know this sounds really getting a little bit more, a bit, bit heavier here, but there are people who always need someone to talk to. Um, the Dublin Rape Crisis Networks, Americans, Women's Aid, all these places who need people who are prepared to train themselves up. People who have the skills who could train up to become vaccinators. You know, anyone who wants to, to dust off their needles who may have been a nurse or a doctor and they were retired a couple of years, there's still opportunities there. That's probably a different level. Our sports clubs are running brilliant things. Every Sunday, not a member of Decile Parmiston Rugby Club, but it is close to my home. And a lot of friends, they run a virtual 5K. And you know, that sort of thing is that every Sunday, you get those of us who like enjoy a Sunday run, you know, and it's getting that online community, my own rugby club. i um, not sure when you're putting this out, but today is Daffodil Day for the Irish Cancer Society. I lost both my parents' when I was younger uh, to cancer. But my whole rugby club, they're doing a, you know, donate to the Irish Cancer Society, wear your club jersey or, or jacket or whatever it is with your daffodil. And we get a bit of a hashtag and a bit of trending. Um, there's lots of online discussion forums. People are talking about big issues, local issues, national issues, international issues, whatever people have an opinion on. Um, and there are great opportunities for people. Again, most of it is online, but it's liaising with the sort of the, the pillars that are there in our communities our guardian, our sports clubs, particularly our GA clubs. They've really stepped up to the plate. Um, I know Ballantyre St. John's is my, my local club, and they did a lot of work with the community call. Um, churches, the various religious organisations, um, our schools, secondary, national, particularly our special schools, third level, and our advocacy groups. Um, these are all the key pillars that people go in, and if there's any specific ones that people come to mind, you know, my contact details are readily available online, you can even follow me on TikTok if you want, and they can discover, much to my mortifying shame, and they can you know i'm more than happy to point to the direction where i know and there might be places where someone goes like oh, i'd love to do x or y for the community you know the blue light pub in sandyford has live music online every weekend you know from people's kitchen where it is some of their talented musicians and they have a virtual tip box for a long time and a lot of pubs got open during the summer for you know, outside, or they're still doing delivery, um, and a lot of restaurants are. So, there's all those things. And again, it depends what people are looking for. I think I've given, I hope, a little bit of a flavor of what's out there. And obviously, being a TV for the to stay in touch with the community as best possible. But it's very difficult for a politician, but equally, um you know we're not getting out to the community events we don't have the school fairs we don't have lots of the ordinary things and um, you're not meeting people for cups of coffee you're not doing a coffee morning or a clinic and um, but you do get a fair idea of what's happening in the community and you know, there may be gaps and there's certain campaigns and some of them being national they might be about third level education or or something you know a certain issue that's happening in the world um, yeah but you know if i haven't covered a few areas so people can't find the resource and get on to me and more than happy to point in the direction. Or it might be a case that this might be something that someone could have for the for what I hope is the latter stage of lockdown project.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, you know, that wide variety of activities people can, can get in, involved in. It really shows that, you know, there's something for everyone, whether it's going to a market on the weekend or, you know, getting involved in religion or your GAA club or and I think um what you said about you know daffodil day and just like I'm in a yellow t-shirt now and um it's just about you know feeling uh, (laughs)
1: yeah
0: Yeah, got it. Got to show that daffodil off, but um, but yeah, it is. It is about feeling a part of something, and even if it's an excuse to get out of the house and get involved in a project, or you know, an excuse to to go for a run. You know, it, it's been really tough on people, as you said, like mental health wise, and for for a GAA club or a Sal to organise that five k run every Sunday. You know, you feel a part of it rather than just going out and being like, okay, I'm running by myself. In, in this case, you you know, you're imagining that everyone else is running with you. So it just gives it that extra kind of feeling to it. Yeah, it's even really nice to hear.
1: In the last few weeks, obviously we had St. Patrick's Day a fortnight ago, and, and in better mind, we had a reverse St. Patrick's Day parade. So the parading step side's great. I remember the first parade, but you know, we, we decorated our windows. And when you have a three-year-old, an excuse to paint something green, white and orange, pretty. Pretty cool and it it did brighten up the place and probably a few people left their Christmas lights up a little longer and certainly we find ourselves getting to know our neighbours a lot better Um, because a lot of us ordinarily were were out of the house from for 12-15 hours a day and work and everything else but you know the clocks are changing this weekend it will get brighter there is opportunity to you know you're not going outside your 5k you can maintain distance all those sort of things and hopefully kind of come into the summer months might be able to start having a few community barbecues, community fun days, sensible within restrictions. I'm not going to make any outlandish promises that we're going to be in beer gardens by June and everything is different. Because we're still, as much as people have made the biggest sacrifice and the vaccines are rolling out, the infection rates are still high, now the hospitalization rates are going down. Well, that defines everything. Um, and I know a lot of people have said, look, we've no, nothing more to give. and. Next Tuesday, when the restrictions are, are lifted, people will wonder like, well, we've got to have a, an element of break. Because I think we're all honest. We know people. Are, we can see that people are starting to push the restrictions. You know, they're, they're going into the neighbor's garden for a cup of tea. They're going, instead of 5k, they're going all the way out to Dunleary to go for a swim at the 40 foot or whatever it is. Um, and that's, that's tough for people. You know, where they're meeting a, a second family in Fernhill for a picnic or a walk, um, and particularly when you're apart for so long, it's tough. But then equally, there are still people who are over seventy, or maybe are younger, and have cystic fibrosis; they they just can't risk getting this virus. Like it, it is a deadly virus. It should not be dismissed. Um, I I'm not a great hugger, so I don't really miss that aspect. But um, and but I do as a politician, wish shaking hands. And I don't know if I'll wear a mask again, but. You know, people in Southeast Asia have been wearing them for years, or even if they have a cold. So maybe, look, we'll learn a lot from this pandemic. And I think it really has shown, and it kind of goes to the note what this podcast series is about, is we have a very strong community. Um, a lot of people outside Dublin are very quick to say, Chronic Guilty always wins the tidy towns, or if you're from Westport, you know you're from Westport. But I think a lot of people are now very proud to be from not just Dublin, but they may identify our community. They're proud to be from stepside or Dundrome or Mount Marion or Still Oregon, and they've got to know. And a lot of them might have been, mightn't have grown up here, might only be living here for a couple of years, or they just happen to have a shop here or a doctor's surgery. But I think that power and strength of the community has really borne out when you face adversity. Community is what you you fall back on, what you rely on, and we're very lucky um, that our community has stood up. It hasn't descended into you know people attacking each other in the street for not wearing masks or lots and lots of outlandish house parties just blatant the restrictions five hundred people outside whatever church for a funeral. It hasn't. Um and people have supported local businesses, people have supported their neighbours who have been at risk, um, or maybe are just on their own. And like people think that risk, oh, it's it's someone of a certain older age who is afraid to go out. But it doesn't matter what age you are, if you're stuck in your own apartment, it gets really tough. And um, I think that's the, the sort of the hidden category. People who are still working, but they may be in an apartment in in Bellarmine or Ballantyre or, or somewhere like that, and they're not, not getting to live their life. And that goes down to people who should be in college or school doing all those important moments we talked about, including joining the very important Jumping for the
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think from, I think from in the last year, you've kind of like, being able to take that time and focus on, you know, what is actually my community, whether it is like Bellermind, Stepside or Mount Marion, as you said, like, and you with the 2K, it's like, okay, is anyone living in my 2K? Can I go for a socially distant walk with, like, who's actually here? And you kind of recognize, like, the people around you because... I think in in the busy lives that we live now, it's oh we have to we have to go on this big holiday or we have to go all the way out to Phoenix Park or or the zoo or something mad like that. But really, we have so much going on like just around us as you've described. And I think you know that's one positive thing that we've been able to reconnect with our community. And hopefully, you know, in the coming weeks or months, we'll be able to to you know go on those walks again or you know sit sit in the fernhill park and just have the chats with the the different people as you said but i think um the vaccinations have definitely given us hope but for now i guess we just need to focus in on those those ways we can adapt to our community as you've described so well
1: yeah and i think i'll probably leave you on this point i think this has been a horrible year or so uh, for so many reasons but there are a couple of opportunities that have sprung out and we need to seize and take the most of that opportunity. So that could be just happened to, you've got to know your next door neighbour better. You've a better relationship with your neighbour or you've discovered a local coffee shop or I discovered the before Mother's Day that the road behind me in Better mine, there's a florist and did a wonderful bouquet from my kids to my wife technically. But, you know, but to continue passionising those businesses and also, you know, from the basic sort of and sanitation and all those sort of things to, to keep those in mind and you know really show those appreciations that like you said life goes very very fast ordinarily um, and really starts to appreciate what we have and the few the few positives that have come out of this maybe the appreciation for you know just being a little bit nicer to someone who's working in a supermarket Um I think that's really been telling like um, or someone who's you know working as the security person on the Lewis or or, being, or just going that little bit further for community. And, you know, I'm certainly thinking like, you know, maybe I haven't put as many days into the various clubs or groups that I'm involved in. Or a lot more philosophically that as a politician, you, you work a seven-day week and try and balance it. And it's a really, really humbling job. and it's a, it's a huge privilege. But you don't tend to be at home as much at the weekends. You've got lots of events to go to. You might have to go on TV or something like that and you take the laptop home with you you start replying to emails or calls and you know my kids see a lot of me at the moment and my wife sees a lot of me i don't know how happy she is about that but she seems to be okay um but maybe it's using that like well actually maybe i won't stay in the office till eight o'clock yeah or maybe some days i will put the mobile phone in a drawer and go out for that big long walk just with the kids or spend a bit more time in the playgrounds um like, you know, a lot of people go going like, oh, I'm just dying to go on a holiday or get in a plane or or go for pints with my friends or do something mad. And I'm just looking forward to that, that human contact again um, and just being able to comfortably go for a cup of coffee or a beer with four friends indoors um, and it not to be novel or, or a huge change. Um, and certainly... I And I I think I'm going to labour an analogy here, but you might just give me the perseverance to get through it. So this pandemic is very much like a marathon. People refer to that in lots of different things. And anyone who's ever run a marathon knows that around 20 miles, you hit the wall. It's the worst part of the race. Your legs go, your chest is burning on fire. You just need to give up. But it's only six miles from the end. And we're now hitting the wall. People are sick of it, they can't handle it anymore, they've given all they can, um, but the finish line is now in sight with the vaccines. Um, and it's a huge, delicate balance that with six miles left to go, there's no point to shouting, stick to the restrictions, you know, things are getting slack. It's actually, well, you know what, this is what we're doing in turn, this is the speed of the vaccine programme, these are the new payments that were given to businesses it's not in a patronising way saying, like, keep going, we're doing great. It's acknowledging that the last year was really difficult. People made huge sacrifices. But the end is, it's in the year. Like, it's really close. Come Christmas, we're all going to be vaccinated. I know that sounds miles away, but, you know, that then gives us the prospect to see our grandparents on Christmas Day and be able to give them a hug without fear of killing them. And um, to be quite severe. And I think that's... This whole year of being a new TV and having your first year in office being dominated by a global pandemic that you haven't seen for a century, it's going to change the way I thought being TV was all about as well. Bearing in mind I've worked in politics and been a politician for over a decade, been in the Senate, had a very set view of what a TV does and should be doing. And perhaps my politics will be changing a bit more because um, it all has to come back to community. Um, it's not always about the economy. It's not always about um, sort of the, the the niche lobbyists that are on top of you that are on, on touch with you a lot. It's about that core essence of trying to make life a little bit easier and realizing that everyone is going through a struggle of some kind every day, pandemic or no pandemic. But everyone has a huge amount of energy and goodness in them, and how do we harness that? And how do we promote that? And I think I've taken enough of your time at this stage. You've been very very. Um, consider it to to give me such a platform and let me speak and I hope I haven't been a complete waffler and if there's anything anyone who listens to this wonderful podcast wants to follow up on feel free to share my my contact details my social media and um, this is a wonderful experience for me I, I really appreciate what you're putting together here I think it's something that our community will really benefit from so thank you so much for having me on
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Neil. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure learning more about, you know, how you how you've come to politics and what you've been up to and you can tell that you've done so much for the community and, you know, what you've kind of shared and what you know that's actually going on. It just shows that, you know, you know what people are up to and you know how people can get involved. So, I really hope that um anyone listening today will understand how you can engage more and whether, you know, as I, we we discussed, whether it's going to a local market and getting the jam you want or, you know, running your 5k every Sunday, there's something in it for everyone. So thank you. And if anyone wants any more information, I'm sure he'll be happily contacted. Thank you, Neil. Have a lovely afternoon. now.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're living in the Rathdown area and you would like to get involved, please feel free to reach out to me and you could be on one of our episodes. So that's it for today. Take care and I'll see you in the next podcast.